Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, August 2nd. Time for another episode of The Pit. And it looks like I'm flying solo today. And that was kind of a last minute. Um, We've been in touch with both John and Stanford and things came up at the last minute. Neither one of them can make it today. So I'm calling an audible, uh, making some adjustments on the fly here. I had some things we were going to talk about, but I needed those two with me today. So... I'm going to make an adjustment on the fly here. I've got two other topics that I started making some notes on this week. I'm not really ready to talk about this, but I'm going to throw it out there and wait and see if we get some calls. So today's really going to be about you. I have maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes on these two topics. Uh, And if we get calls, we'll go to calls. If not, we just make this uh, a really short show today. So it's totally up to you. I've got some material here, but uh, not really a lot um, to do on my own. So if you want to jump in, anything goes if it's remotely related to politics today. You know, I want to talk about that, actually. One of the things I was really hoping on this show is I would get a lot of calls. This is the one topic that if I have time to prepare, I never have a shortage of material. There's always something to talk about in politics. It changes every day. But most of these topics, I would really, I don't want to just do the same thing you're seeing on the news every day with the talking heads all hitting the same points over and over and over. My thought on this show was to take a topic that might be a five-minute segment on the news and maybe do an entire half hour or even an hour on it, dive a little deeper, get people to call, get some feedback, get some opinions. Um, And I had this problem the last time I did the pit. I couldn't get a lot of calls. Um, I don't know if people are just intimidated by politics. We don't have enough people that, you know, feel like they follow politics close enough to comment. Uh, The one thing I had really, really hoped was that I would get some feedback from Democrats, from people with different opinions. Uh, I can get calls and everybody agrees with me. That's wonderful. We can talk about it. But I have not heard really a peep from Democratic voters in the last, well, since Biden's been elected. Nothing. I... Can you defend what he's doing? Do you have an opinion about what he's doing? Is it just that absolutely nobody who voted Democrat listens to the show? I don't know. But I just get very, very little feedback, which is fine. We'll keep doing the show. There's plenty I can talk about in politics, and I I like it. And um, But I'd, I'd love to get some feedback. And I'd love to get some feedback from people who are traditionally Democratic voters on, on what they really feel about the Democratic Party right now. Uh, and it's it's really tough to get anybody to talk about it. All right, so the two topics that I wasn't really finished with all my notes, but they're both happening. They're both really current right now. So, um, 
certainly not a bad time to talk about them. Uh, One is the Inflation Reduction Act. This is what originally started as the Build Back Better program. Um, Huge, huge government program originally. They've pared it way back down. Now they're calling it the Inflation Reduction Act. That's topic number one. Uh, Topic number two, very, very current, um, Pelosi's Taiwan visit. She's there right now. She landed this morning. Um, So I'll talk a little bit about those. You can talk about anything you want. If we get calls, I'll stay here as long as we have calls. If we don't, I'll probably wrap this up pretty quickly today. Um, The Inflation Reduction Act. This is going to cost us uh, about $400 billion. I think it's uh, the cost of it is like $433 billion. Um, That may not sound big when we were talking about trillions, But the single biggest problem we're facing in this country is inflation. And you don't keep spending when you're in an inflationary period. The the idea that they're calling this big spending bill an Inflation Reduction Act is a joke. In fact, um, let me find the article here i had some uh, a pretty good analysis of this where did that go huh how did i lose my notes already um oh, okay here we go uh this is a quote this is from uh, an analysis by the Tax Foundation. Um, I've read their stuff in the past. They usually do a pretty good job of digging down into this stuff and figuring it out. Uh, I have not read this bill yet. I didn't think we were close enough to bother reading it, but I might have to go and do that. Here's, here's what this uh, tax group says. While Democrats are pitching the bill as an inflation-fighting measure... A new analysis from the Penn Wharton budget model. That's the uh, uh, Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business. Also, you know, I respect their opinion a lot. They've been pretty accurate on this kind of stuff in the past. Uh, A nonpartisan group at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School shows it will have an impact on inflation that is statistically indistinguishable from zero. Zero impact on inflation. The bill, the title is the Inflation Reduction Act. So if the point of the bill is the in, to reduce inflation, but the analysis shows it will do nothing to reduce inflation, why are we passing it? It looks to me like it's really another tax and spend bill. So it claims that it's going to cost $433 billion, but... They claim they're going to raise $739 billion in taxes. Look, I don't care who they raise taxes on. It always affects us. Always. Don't listen to the lie. If you make less than $400,000, it's not going to raise your taxes. It is. And even if it doesn't raise your taxes, if it raises corporate taxes, Guess what corporations do when their costs go up? Any cost. They have to raise their prices. I think there's a word for that. I think it's called inflation. 
the Inflation Reduction Act does the exact opposite if it's going to raise $739 billion in new taxes. There's nothing in this bill that does anything to lower inflation. The act would very slightly increase inflation until 2024. So they're going to make things worse for us for two more years and then decrease inflation very slightly thereafter. These point estimates are statistically indistinguishable from zero, thereby indicating low confidence that the legislation will have any impact on inflation. You know, all they're trying to do here, this is why I'd really like to hear from uh, some Democrats, all this really does is give the Democrats, if they can pass this, some sort of a win. Most Americans don't understand politics, don't read these bills, don't understand what it's going to do to taxes or the economy and inflation. So all this is for the Democrats, they can say, oh, look, we passed a bill and it's going to lower inflation. We're doing something. But they're not. Now, this bill is going to struggle more than I thought it would. This might not pass for a couple reasons. We haven't, uh, Joe Manchin signed off on it. We, that's, you know, Joe Manchin has been the one that stopped a lot of this legislation in the last 18 months, but he has signed off on this one. I don't know what they did to get him to change his mind, um, but we haven't heard from Kirsten Cinema. And she could easily put the kibosh on this. They need every single vote from the Democrats and they'll need Kamala Harris to break the tie. We don't have a single Republican, I don't believe, that signed on to this or will. So they need every vote. They may not get Kirsten Cinema. The other problem is they have um, they have members out sick. And you have to be there to vote on this or it can't go through. So let's hope something gets in the way of this thing. The last thing we need is more spending. Uh, But that's what they're trying to do again. Now, the Pelosi-Taiwan visit. um, If you've got little kids around, plug their ears right now or turn down the volume or something. Uh, I'm going to let one fly. This is a clusterfuck. Seriously, I I am just shocked at how bad we handled this. I, I, they can't be this incompetent. And when I say they, I'm talking about the Democrats in charge right now. They can't be this incompetent. This is a big issue, always has been. 20 years ago is the last time a Speaker of the House went to China or Taiwan, and China was pissed about it back then. We know they don't want us dealing directly with Taiwan, but too bad. China doesn't get to dictate what we do in this country. I have no problem whatsoever with Pelosi going there. None. I have a huge problem with how they handled it. They couldn't have screwed this up anymore if they tried. That's why I have to believe this is intentional. I just don't understand why. Why in the world would we want to pick a fight with China right now? We shouldn't back down from China, but we shouldn't be antagonizing them either. 
Now, if Pelosi wanted to go, she should have gone, but she it, it should have been handled properly, not just kind of randomly dropped on everybody. Oh, Pelosi may visit Taiwan. Then China goes off and threatens to shoot down her plane. So we can't back down from that. But now China has to decide if they're going to back down from their threats. I hope they do. In the past, they always have. They've been known to make, you know, outrageous statements before, and then they back down from it. I'm a little worried this time, though. I'm actually wondering if they think they can pull it off this time. If they think Biden and this administration and our new woke military, maybe the Chinese think that it's time, that we're just weak enough that they can actually pull this off and get away with it now. But the last thing we need for our country and the world economy right now is a pissing match with China. But that's exactly what we got ourselves into. Talk about screwing up the supply chain. If we start messing around in the Straits of Taiwan, there's the, the Chinese are flying their jets and touching Taiwan airspace right now. They're doing it right now um, just because they can. They hit Taiwan with a pretty major cyber attack this morning, shut down the presidential website just to show that they can. They could do the same cyber kind of stuff here in the U.S. For some reason, we are not treating cyber attacks the way we should. When these groups came over and they shut down, remember they shut down a meat processor? That was the Russians. The Chinese have all those same capabilities. They could shut down power in certain areas. They can shut down um, water systems in certain areas. We know they have the capability to do this. The thing we have to make clear to them, and we're not making this clear at all, you mess around with our internet access, any kind of cyber attack, that should be exactly like you attacked us on our own soil. That should be no different than you sent a plane over here and dropped a bomb on somebody. These cyber attacks are serious. People will die from these. And we're not treating them like a true attack, and we should. We can... I think that right now is probably the highest likelihood that we are going to get some sort of a cyber attack from China or Russia or both. The last thing we need to be doing is fighting two proxy wars, but that looks like that's about what we're going to be doing. One already is bad enough. Now, I've talked about this in the past. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but if you have questions, certainly call. Most people are not prepared for any kind of a cyber attack. Even people who may be prepared for other, you know, natural disaster kind of stuff. Cyber attacks happen without warning, really quickly. And they can do a lot more damage than people understand. If they shut down power in an area, you lose everything. You lose internet connection, you lose water, fuel, food, everything in that area. If it's a big enough area, it can cause real problems. Now, I wish our government was more prepared for it. They're not. But you need to get prepared for this. Cash. You should have cash. When power goes down, the internet goes down, you can't buy anything anymore. 
You need cash. You need cash for food. You need cash for fuel. If you want to get out of that area, you, you have to have enough money to get fuel to get you out of there. If the power's out, that may be a problem in and of itself. But if you don't have cash, you're going to be screwed. So at the very least right now, make sure you've got some cash for basics, food and fuel, at least. Uh, all right. Um, what else? Oh, we, we've... Um, We've already got four warships parked over there um, near the Straits of Taiwan. Now we're claiming we're just over there doing, you know, basic military standard stuff. We're not. They're over there because of China right now. I just, um, I just don't get it. I, I don't know why we, we did this like this. It makes no sense whatsoever. Let's, uh, let's go to the phones. I'll stay here as long as you've got calls. If not, uh, I'm going to wrap this up today when we're done with calls. Uh, Matt in Iowa, what's on your mind today? Good morning, Kevin. Uh, You've mentioned a couple times, and actually I've seen it before you started talking about it, advertised on Audible. Never read what it was about. The name of the book is The from Jekyll Island. Yeah. So just seeing that title, I'm like, that doesn't, doesn't sound like something I'd be interested in. I'm not into the sci-fi I, stuff. I know, me that. either. Right. <laughs> yeah, the, the reason... Here's a financial book. Yeah, the reason it has that title, I was curious about that. Why this title? Well, it turns out the original meeting that started the whole idea of the Fed... Um, happened on Jekyll Island. Where's that? Off Georgia or South Carolina or something? Somewhere yep, down off there. the coast of Georgia. Georgia, yep. yeah. Southern yeah, Georgia, so, yeah. Yeah, so this original meeting of these, you know, bankers, and um, I, you got to read the book because this is a complicated topic. I've always heard about the Fed and the gold standard. I've never really got it. You know, I, I don't. So this is new for me. I'm, I'm reading it now. It's some pretty heavy reading. Uh, but that's why it was called The Creature from Jekyll Island is because that's where the Fed originally started that first meeting. I'm only maybe five, six hours into the book. You're even a little farther uh, than I am, believe 20, it or not. I'm still not that far. Think 24 hours on Audible, 24 and a half maybe. Um, and yeah, just fascinated by it and... What blows my mind is talking about the 2008 stuff and remember the, uh, the bailout of the auto companies and just the different bailouts. Yeah, yeah. And then 10 later, we're hearing about, oh, you know, GM paid them loans back with interest. Yeah. The government made money, right? That's what was on the news. Correct. Yeah, they, they refinanced them, got a new loan, paid off the original loan. <laughs> That's like um, <laughs> Biden bragging about the prices coming down of gas, and he took credit <laughs> for releasing the oil from our reserves. He's bragging about it. Wait, wait a minute. That's like saying you went out and put a bunch of stuff on credit cards and you're richer now. How stupid. You know? That, that was our oil. It was already there. It's there because we might need it if we have to go to a war, into a war with China. You released it. You did nothing to increase the supply. 
You just took our, our emergency oil and now you're bragging about lowering the price. So you, when you said for little kids to cover your ears, when you swore earlier about mm-hmm. this Pelosi Taiwan yeah. thing, and here I, the, the swear word, you know, obviously doesn't bother me at all. I thought you might be saying something like what you kicked off the air and canceled. <laughs> yeah. Has anybody started a GoFundMe yet to give money to China to shoot her plane down? Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, just what are we thinking? Uh, and, and, yeah, it's... and if you watch Nancy Pelosi talk about this, she's giggling like a schoolgirl. Oh, this has always been my dream. It's been my bucket list to go visit Taiwan. Well, wonderful. Let's put the whole world at risk because you handled it so poorly. So if that's her dream to take a vacation there, yeah. she can take yeah. a private vacation. Exactly. You have plenty of money. You and your insider yeah. trading husband. You got plenty of money. Isn't she like the richest person in Congress? Uh, she's up there. I know that. I think she might be number one. It's pretty insane. Not sure. yeah. 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 And how? What if she's done nothing her whole life except be a politician? Yeah. Um, so, since you can't get any calls from Democrats, I guess you could say I'm going to play devil's advocate, but I mean, I'm speaking the <laughs> truth here. I, I, it's, isn't it, isn't I, it I'm hard? No, I'm very far from a Republican. It, yeah. But isn't it hard to play devil's so, advocate today? I mean, you, you don't even want well, to. It's it, so bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to defend the Democrats in any way because I can't. I'm just going to pick on the Republicans. Yeah, well, exactly. Because That's easy they too. Deserve it just as much, right? Yeah. So I get a kick out of you know the people that just love Trump, you know, and of course on the Democrat side they call them Trump tards, and on a lot of subjects I agree with that. So this whole inflation and our debt and all that. Trump's just as much to blame as everybody else. I mean, it started with Bush. Yeah. Doubled our national debt in his eight years. Then Obama came in. He doubled our national debt in his eight years. Then Trump came in. He doubled our national debt. Well, he didn't double it. Close. He only had four years, but he damn close to doubled it. And now Biden's trying to double it in his four years. So financially, economically, you... They're both just as bad. Democrat, Republican, don't matter to me. And wait a minute, because we have to think about something. When we say each one of these administrations doubled something, it sounds like they all did something just as bad. But that can't be true. Because every time you double something, it got a lot bigger for the next person to have to double. So each administration is a whole lot worse than the prior administration if they're able to double it. And that's what is causing, that's part of the book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, is the more money they just create out of thin air. I mean, we've all heard this about it that every time they devalue the dollar, they have inflation to make up the difference. And it's all the economy, the Fed, who, I mean, I don't know who to blame on this, but they kind of kicked the can down the road. Yeah. We've been printing money and printing money for decades. decades. 
Decades, yeah. And inflation stayed fairly stable. I mean, you know, 2 3%, nothing to get excited about. But the problem's just been building and building. And, you know, Trump passed trillion-dollar deals. You know, a lot of it was with... But, you know, he was trying to infrastructure stuff. He was he was running us in debt just as fast as absolutely. any Democrat ever has. Yep, absolutely. The only difference, and um, I, I've given credit to Trump for this several times, the two big things that he did right away, did them really well, and I believe they were really good for our economy at the time, um, not having to do with government spending. He did overspend just like everybody else does. But I really liked his tax bill and I really liked all the regulations he started to get rid of. And I think we could see the results in the economy. Things were getting better, even though by the time Trump was in, we should have already been looking for a downturn. I mean, by the time Trump got into office, we we were on a cycle. We should have been looking for a downturn already. Um, But all this spending from the government, starting with him, and now Biden spending like crazy in the Democrats, as long as there's money, the Ponzi scheme keeps going. That, that's how Ponzi schemes work. As long as you can keep bringing in new money, it works and everybody's happy. But when it crashes, it crashes bad. And that's what I'm afraid of. We are running out of new money and the government can't keep printing it, although they keep trying. Yeah, that's in that the more you get into the, the book, that's what they're talking about is every time, said, you know, they use that name on to make people think it's a federal right. government organization right. and it's completely it's private. Right. Yeah. And so there's that. And then every they talk Congress into bailing something out. So the Fed prints the money, controls the money supply, and then when there's a problem, they get Congress to say, hey, well, we'll give you know the backing of the federal government to cover this if it fails. It, the amount of money that is guaranteed on the back of the United States taxpayers around the world is mind-blowing it's insane and it's not on the books right because it hasn't happened yet where it's the money's come due because they keep writing some new bill and something to push it off to something else but it's and we're basically guaranteeing all the loans these other countries yeah and and we the taxpayers here's the other thing we use this term printing money And when you think about that, you think, okay, there's this giant printing press and the dollar bills just keep rolling off of it or hundred dollar bills or whatever. And that's part of it. But that term printing money is much bigger than that. They can manipulate the federal government or the Fed can manipulate bonds. They can buy bonds, sell bonds. There's all kinds of things they can do to affect the money supply and most of us, me included, can't understand half this stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. The bonds just oh, it's not even on paper anymore. It's you know just a just a computer program somewhere, and yeah, new money gets created. And they can 
write this bill saying we're yeah we're gonna fund this or or loan money to this country or or to a corporation and and then like you say you'll make the deal with the auto companies then they wait once and they do it again behind the scenes no publicity no news coverage all that they rewrite the loan at a lower interest rate and actually the auto company better and then they can come out and say, oh, we paid off the original, <laughs> and the government made yeah. money and all that. Well, it, no, right. we went further into debt. We didn't get any money. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh-huh. a, what a mess. You know, also, you know, I've been reading that book along with several others with all these kind of, you know, big picture ideas, you know, the the end of the world is just the beginning, the moral case for fossil fuels. All of these books are covering the kind of big picture financial stuff that's going on. And I, 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 I'm starting to understand more than ever about all these things. I just don't know where we're going with this. You know, what's the end game here? What's, what's going to happen? I honestly, Every single day when I watch the news, all I can think about is that book. The end of the world is just the beginning because we're watching it happen. The the shipping, this is all about the global shipping collapsing. That's what he talks about when he talks about the end of the world. The global shipping is going to come to an end, according to him. Now, I have a hard time getting my head around that, except we're watching it happen. We have a huge shipping issue over in Ukraine and Russia. The southern Ukrainian ports have been shut down for months since the war started. Russia came out a week or so ago. They had a meeting. They said, okay, you know, we both need to ship. Both countries need to start shipping. So we, we called a, tre- a, tru- a truce or we signed a treaty. Except that very day, Russia started bombing the southern ports of, of uh, Ukraine. After they made the agreement. So there's a big, big issue worldwide with shipping. Now, look at what's going on in Taiwan. Yeah, and that's in the book where he talked about the Straits of Taiwan a lot. Exactly. That's a really important part of the world. Really important. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how it's all going to play out. And, you know, now listening to uh, the creature from Jacqueline, it's to me, I see the financial collapse. I mean, we, we thought 2008, 2009 was bad. Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. been building to get. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like all we really did in 2008 was pause and take a break from all the damage and then we caught our breath and we just went right back to creating all the same stuff again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and the, the way even on the personal loan, you know, the mortgages and all that, they got better. That, I mean, just, just look at what happened in real estate last year and how people were forbidding and, there's got to be some some financing going around in the background. We haven't hasn't been flushed up to the surface yet. Well, part of the problem this time, you know, the 08 real estate collapse was primarily because we just kept giving people easy money. 
we were all of the requirements for a mortgage went away. I, I, they were writing mortgages for self-employed people without even asking for tax returns. That's how bad it got. They were doing interest only mortgages and then they were doing negative interest mortgages where your balance every got bigger every month how insane was that so we know what caused that real estate crash most people don't realize one of the biggest factors in this run-up and crash really didn't have much to do with financing at all it had to do with the fact that hedge funds and foreign investors were outbidding people on individual homes what the hell is that all about that's unheard of hedge funds never invested in individual houses foreign investors coming in and buying up and and they have tons and tons of money they don't need financing for any of this stuff and that's what drove up all these house prices crazy this time yeah and you know it makes you wonder if there's people out kind of are predicting inflation and all that i mean obviously there were but there's stories of people you know as early as like 2006 connected the housing collapse buying the um oh what do you call that when you make money when a stock goes down the short uh, selling short selling yeah so they and i mean they lost money in the beginning because it was going to happen and it took you know two and a half years but there were there was one guy. His name was Michael something out of California. There, there's a there's a couple documentaries out about it. But I mean, he made billions of players short selling all these uh, these real estate funds. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and the, people told him he was nuts. I, I don't remember the numbers. I can't even remember the guy's name. He's one of the big financial guys, been around for a long time, but I can't remember his name. But Anthony Robbins tells a story about the most money ever made in a single day in the stock market, and it was made by a short seller not by somebody who invested in the right company and it went up so much. The most money ever made on a, uh, in the stock market was made on a short sale, betting that the company was going to lose money. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting game. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, it's, it's, you know, again, you look at the patterns they these hedge funds and foreign investors and the Chinese buying up individual homes. Well, you know, if you control the real estate market, you control people and then they're buying up farmland. So now you have to look. They're trying to control where you live and what you eat. The two most important things you need to survive on this planet, shelter and food and there are people that seem like they're trying to corner those things. We should be worried about that. No, well, I'm I'm safe on the on the real estate side. I I've got all my real estate paid for. Well, I got one payment left on my land, and I'm awesome. I'm I'm debt free again. Awesome. You I, know uh, that I, I bought it in I think 19. Yeah, when I paid off, my and then I went out and bought more land. So. 
So I'm back to square one. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're sitting on cash and starting to watch real estate now. I'm not even ready to buy. I don't think it's anywhere near time. But now is when you start learning the markets. You know, now I'm really diving deep and I'm watching prices on property that, I, that I'm interested in. I'm just not interested right now. So I'll watch the price now and watch what it does. And I'll just start really studying real estate in this area. And I think there's going to be some big bargains. One of the interesting things for me on this, I I think I mentioned I found a new author. Guy's been around forever. How I managed to skip his books all these years, I don't know. David Baldacci. And I've seen him forever. Um, Finally read one of his books and absolutely loved it. He's an amazing author. So I've been binging and blowing through all his books and he's written a lot of them, probably 30 some. Well, one of them that I just read uh, and it was written probably, I'm just going to guess 2013, 2014. Um, Seems about right. The story is set in North Dakota And we have an Air Force base in North Dakota. We have a couple. Um, This one specifically um, kind of monitors the the airspace around the world kind of thing and, you know, watches for threats and, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, And in the book, the Chinese come in and buy a farm that borders this facility we also have some pretty top secret stuff there surveillance stuff now remember this is a novel this is a novel written you know probably 10 years ago or close to it so i'm reading this book and guess what's in the news right now both the chinese and bill gates buying up farmland in north dakota near air force bases And I think the Chinese are buying Actually, some land down in Texas near Air Force bases, too. Yeah. Um, so, not on that storyline, but just to give you a true story tree and North Dakota and Air Force bases. Um, I don't know the year, but I remember reading this a while back. During the Cold War, we used to keep the... The B-52 was the, the big bomber with the six engines. I believe so. A really good... They, they were really bad fuel burners. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we, we always keep a nuclear bomb on one and running on the runway in North Dakota. Really? There was either one airborne or one sitting on the ready to take off. Oh. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Wow. And one caught on fire. On the runway, and an engine fire. <laughs> That's a little scary. <laughs> pretty big, panic, big deal, but you know it all turned out okay. But quick, I don't. If that was quick, late somebody grabbed an extinguisher. when it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> you know. Oh man, yeah. It's, it's something that that article I read was something about a disaster that almost happened but never did. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. It, it's a little weird, the whole, you know, farmland thing. Are are they buying up farmland to be near these military installations, or are they bar- buying up farmland to control the farmland, or both? Yeah, well, and, yeah, I mean, just the farmland, 
for the agriculture reasons is huge. Is going to become a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, we're already you seeing food shortages. Yep, and the the GMOs and the overuse of chemicals. You know, you talk a lot about the Roundup stuff. There's huge problems in farming already that isn't effective. We already got way too many weeds that are Roundup resistant, super uh, weeds. Yes. That yeah, the lot of corn and soy is they're not even using. Well, they, they use a lot of Roundup still, or glyphosate, you know, generic brand. It's, it, it's nowhere near enough anymore. No, actually, um, one of the articles I have in my notes for tomorrow, since it's more health-related, is actually about glyphosate, and it is showing up everywhere now. Like... You can eat organic and it doesn't matter. We're seeing glyphosate residues in organic now. Well, why? There's there's only a couple reasons. Either some sort of drift where, you know, these this stuff is blown yep. into somebody else's field and then cross-pollinates, or they're just outright cheating with their organic food. Either one is possible. Both of them are probably happening. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know the science on it, but right now it's three years. You, you've got to be chemical-free for three years to get organic certified. Well, right. is the stuff in the ground for five years? Or, you know, just because there's that period doesn't mean all the residual waste is, is dissipated out of the soil. No. i got to... And- builds up and stays there much longer and and what if there's so much around that it is drifting and moving and it's in the water supply and it's in the air and you know it's not like you can put a dome over your organic field i mean we know that that's always been the first time i heard this i thought this was so outrageous i thought it was false i thought i was reading the onion or something we know that there have been farmers who don't buy their seeds from Monsanto. They're not using Roundup-ready corn, and yet they ended up with Roundup-ready corn in their field. It blew in yep. from the field. And, and the crazy thing is Monsanto sued them. Yeah. I think most of that's over because a lot of those patents have ended. Yeah, no, so yeah, I, back. right, but it happened. In the early <laughs> 2000s, Monsanto was suing yeah. big time for yeah. any cross-pollination that uh, came from a neighbor's field. Unbelievable. I spent three years and all my money and took all my risk to convert my farm to organic. You screwed it all up and you're going to sue me over it. No. How outrageous is that? Speaking of soy, yeah, it, you mentioned soy, and it just reminded yeah. me of something. I've got a note. Um, not a big deal. It, remember, I came on the air a couple weeks ago and said, hey, I found this fifth wheel grease that you just set it on your fifth wheel and back under, and it greases. Oh, yeah. and, and everybody said, oh, no big deal. Um, you know, Hotshot has or somebody, Lucas, or somebody has it. I've seen it in the Lucas, truck yeah. stops. And it turns out there are several on the market. But there are a couple differences. So even though I got a bunch of feedback and people said, oh, it's no big deal, we're bringing the product in anyway. Uh, 
Um, two big, well, they're not big things, but they're, they're things. I like, if I can find a better product, I want a better product. One of the problems with all the stuff that's on the market already, they put the grease in a package and you set the package on your fifth wheel and it smashes and tears the packaging and spreads the grease around. But the packaging's still there. It's either going to litter, it's going to fall off your fifth wheel and litter something, or it may end up in your fifth wheel mechanism. I I wouldn't use those for that reason alone. So two things I really like about this product, and it's not a big deal, we decided to bring it in the store. One, there's no package. They managed to do this with the grease itself. You actually just pick up a block of grease. It doesn't get on your hands or anything. And you just set it on there. There's no packaging to litter or get caught in your fifth wheel mechanism. And given everything that's going on with oil right now and petroleum and all that, this is not a petroleum-based grease. It's a soy-based grease. Actually performs really, really well too. So I'd much rather take all the damn soybeans that they're growing all over the country and make grease out of it than make food out of it. So um, we brought that product in. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. No big deal. I just I just think it's a cool product, Uh, and that's why this one's different from the the others that are on the market. Um, Back to the glyphosate thing, though. I, I may talk about this tomorrow. I've got a lot to talk about. How many times, Matt, you listen to the show a lot, yeah, for years. How many times when I would talk about Roundup and how they used it as a desiccant, three or four days before harvest, they saturate the plants. The, The Roundup is dripping off the plants and they're not doing it to kill weeds. They're doing it to dry the crop faster. It's a profit thing. I've talked about it. I have posted the exact instructions from Monsanto on how to do it. What's the, what call do I get every time I talk about it? Somebody with a farming yeah, background that swears that never happens. And that's what I was just going to say a little bit ago. Change subject. But um, so I'll agree with some people that will complain the words you use. And I realize you're, you're, over dripping off the plant is an exaggeration <laughs> they really don't apply a whole lot it's like 15 gallons an acre maybe and that's after it's you know been diluted in water but anyway so yeah this whole argument because i'm on your side of it i understand it and most small farms family farms probably don't do it correct i agree with um, that up here in the northern mid just because of our temperatures and the growing season, all that. We don't dry harvest wheat. You know, it's not combined directly out of the field. We usually swath it, but, you know, cut it, put it in a wheel, let it lay there for a few days. That dries out any green wheat and lets everything dry. But that's an extra pass with an extra machine. So chemical set that up. So you're already, whether it gets done or not, well, let's just skip that side of it. Go to any store, buy a loaf of bread, bring it to a facility and have it tested, and there's glyphosate in there. Yes. So where did it get in? It's there. We know it's there. So it got in there somehow. Yes, 
Absolutely. So, um, it gets right on the plant at one point. Yeah. And when we get to the big factory farms, which is the majority of farming today, this is a common practice to use glyphosate as a desiccant. So don't tell me it's not yep. happening. It's absolutely happening, and it's a common practice. It happens a lot on these big farms. And it's what, you know, when you get to these big factory farms, they watch every penny they're not going to make another pass with diesel fuel at these prices if they don't have to. No. Yeah, there's, I mean, and there's multiple things they're spraying on nowadays. There's pesticides, they're way more popular than they ever used to be. kind of so, has the same effect, too. So here's, here's some of the statistics. Um, Cheerios breakfast cereals and Quaker Oats products. They tested 28 different products from um, Cheerios and Quaker Oats, 28 products. All 28 samples contained glyphosate. 26 of the 28 at levels that would be harmful to children. All 28 samples, not a single food did not have glyphosate in it. Um, Pediasure, not that anybody should be drinking Pediasure, but they actually use this in infants and children's, their feeding tubes, and they give Pediasure to a lot of people in the hospital. Um, Believe it or not, Pediasure, loaded with glyphosate. Where the hell did that come from? They found it in 100% of the samples they tested. Here's, here's where else they found it. It's also found in air, rain, municipal water supplies, soil samples, breast milk, urine, and even vaccines. We have vaccines that they found glyphosate in. Yeah, it's, it's pretty covered. Well, I don't know if it's covered, but definitely the, uh, the developed part of the, of the planet. And, you know, heavily used here in the United States. So it's bound to end up in everything. Yeah. So so here's another quote. One of the reasons so many grains and legumes are heavily contaminated with glyphosate is because it's being used as a desiccant right before harvest. Peas, beans, potatoes, all of this stuff. Oh, yeah, potatoes. <laughs> There's an interesting one. Um, you know, a lot of potatoes are growing soda up to Red River Valley in the North Dakota, all that. That is a very chemical-heavy It is product yep. to grow. Yep. People have no idea the chemicals they use to grow potatoes. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of weird because... Take an old potato and throw it out in the field somewhere in your yard and you're pretty likely to get a potato plant growing at some point. They'll grow in almost anything. Potatoes are one of the few plants that will actually grow and look healthy growing in pure compost. Most plants will not grow in compost. And when they, if they do grow, they're, they're just weak and you know sick. Not potatoes. 
Potatoes will grow in pure compost look just fine. They won't produce many potatoes or very big potatoes, but the plant itself looks really healthy. So it's really easy to grow the plant. It's pretty difficult to get the plant to produce, you know, enough potatoes that it's profitable. So it is heavily sprayed with all kinds of stuff, all kinds of fertilizers because they're heavy feeders. Then because of all that heavy chemical fertilizers, those plants are weak. So now they get attacked by all kinds of bugs. And I mean, I know this. My ancestors almost died because of the potato crop. Yeah, the Irish potato family. Yeah, exactly. Potatoes are a touchy crop. Yep. I mean, we almost lost an entire country. Yeah, it's... Uh, in the other part, you know, potatoes grow easy, but then, you know, the industrial world, they need them to grow uniform. Oh, good so point. So everything's That's the right. same size <laughs> and harvested and ripe at the same time. Yeah, and... When you grow organic potatoes, I grew one the other day. I swear it looked just like Mickey Mouse. I mean, there's nothing uniform about my potatoes at all. There are all kinds of crazy shapes and sizes. Yeah, because that, that's why the the Kennebec potato, they grow them the largest because for French fries, because McDonald's wants is really long French fries. Big so they need, French fries, they need right. a really big, long potato. Oh. Right. And and probably, I don't know the history, but just I could probably guess that potato was probably developed just for McDonald's. It's definitely been modified, yeah. Right. right. That's what I mean. Yeah, we, or, we, yep. we took one that had potential to be big. And, and a lot of people don't realize this. McDonald's has dramatically changed the food supply in the world. Oh, yeah. When McDonald's brings a new product to market, it turns the entire food world upside down. Yeah, there was a, there was a book I read not so long ago, and I'm not going to remember, but it's, it's a lot about Tyson chicken, but it was the whole food industry. And, you know, back when they invented the chicken nugget and how <laughs> revolutionary that was. And, I mean, it was, you know, you know the amount of money invested into it was it's pretty amazing yeah i'm i'm not really sure why we've well i was just gonna say something we don't i was gonna say i'm not really sure why we need chickens to make chicken nuggets anyway they have like 52 ingredients in them and now we don't use chicken i think there are chicken nuggets on the market now that don't have any chicken in them (laughs) (laughs) yeah i uh i posted a meme quite a long time ago was about this whole you know, meatless, the steak meats and all that. And a guy had a stand right next door that had a vegetable-less vegetable. <laughs> he had all cuts of meat shaped like broccoli and cauliflower and all that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Who does that? Yeah. Oh, man. Nobody pretends no. their meat is really a vegetable, but veg- vegetarians certainly try to pretend their vegetables are meat. Man, if you like meat, just go eat some. Yep. Oh, all right, good stuff, Matt. I'm going to cut right. you loose. We we've got any uh, calls? yeah, we've got we've got another uh, one that's been there a while. So I'm going to cut you loose and go talk to Jamie in South Dakota. Welcome. How you doing today? Good. Just some ramblings from a driver. 
Good. So you, you, when you first read the, the book, The End of the World, you, you asked what's going to facilitate us pulling out of all these areas. Well, what if this, this trip of Pelosi is it? I, I mean, what, what I are we going to do if they shoot down her pole? What are we going to do? That's, that's, are we going to work? That's kind of what I'm thinking, that that even though I didn't figure it out from the book, I'm kind of watching the news and almost seeing it happen. I mean, Russia lost a major, a major warship to a shoulder-fired missile. Yeah, exactly. And that's what he, we talked about. Oh, that's the whole point of the book, is that this global shipping is just going to kind of and we're not going to do this global shipping anymore. And I'm like, well, how is that going to happen? Um, and this might be how, one little piece at a time like this. Well, and what makes more sense than anything is if, if, if they do take out one of our major warships, we, we don't want to fight a war with China. We don't want to fight a war with Russia because of the nuclear aspect. So we just pull all our ships home. And that's what ends, that's what ends everything. It, it could be because, I mean, like, we, you know, in the book he talks about if we're at home, it's hard for anybody to hurt us here. It, we, we can be attacked because we're all over the world trying to protect everybody and everything. But if we just say, screw that, we're tired of being the world's police, we're going home. Maybe that's all it takes. And then you got to look at the other picture. Maybe that's what should happen anyway. I, I, I know. It's a, it's a really, when you read the book, it's horrible for the world. Like a lot of people in the world are going to suffer a lot. Millions of people, hundreds of millions will die if this actually happens. Hundreds of millions will die. It will be horrible for the world. But it might not be all that bad for the United States. You know, honestly, this is kind of what the libertarians have been saying for a long time. Why are we the world's police? We shouldn't be. You know, I can feel feel bad for the people that are going to die, but a lot of them, if it wasn't for us, wouldn't have been there to start with. No, I mean, it, 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 these parts of the world exist and their population has grown because, you know, we have a world economy. It, no doubt. And right. if that world economy goes away, there's an awful lot of adjusting that has to happen. But the, the, again, when you read the book, there's not a whole lot of adjusting we have to do as a country. We could do pretty good just on our own. And then if you throw in Canada and Mexico, since it's easy for us to trade because we're all on the same landmass, things look pretty darn good. Well, and you've got South America, too. I mean, it's just not that much effort for us to get down there and take care of them also. And, and I, I think if something major did happen, we end up taking over Mexico because they can't support themselves without our dollars anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Our biggest problem in trying to take over Mexico, I don't believe, is, is the Mexican army or the Mexican government. It's the drug cartels we have to figure out how to deal with. Well, and, and I agree with you there. And and there's just so much money in in our government in the drug war yeah. that we don't want to win that war. It, no. No, we don't want drugs to stop. And that's really 
It is. It is. Yeah, there's no doubt. Well, yeah, like a, I said, just some ramblings about the truck driver. No, it's a, I, I think you might be on to something. That was my big question in the book. He just never made it clear. He was real clear about everything. Really well written, except at the end of the book, and I'm thinking back, like, did I forget a chapter? Did I not finish something? Because I don't really remember how this is all supposed to start. But maybe we're already seeing it. I mean, what what have we been talking about for the last two and a half years? Interrupted supply chains. That's all we've been talking about. It's ridiculous. It really is. When you think about it, to travel to all the money that we spend to travel this stuff all over the world. I know. You know. You know. It used to. It used to be a good thing. You know, to be a. a a, a manufacturer worker in this country. I mean, you weren't going to live at the same level as a banker, but you made a living. Your kids went to school. Everybody had clothes. You know. Hey, Jamie, where, where did you where did you grow up? Uh, Minneapolis. Okay, so very similar. I mean, I grew up in Ohio. We we kind of call that whole area in there kind of the Midwest. Um, th- that was really when I was growing up. That was the center of our industrial world was the Midwest. I mean, I grew up I, in the, where I grew up being blue collar. Um, lots of people worked in factories, in manufacturing. That was the job. And like you said, you weren't going to get rich doing it, but you could live a nice middle class lifestyle with, you know, somebody working in a factory. I, I grew up with that. That was what the Ohio was all about, was manufacturing. With one person working in a factory, because most right. of those right. people didn't have Right. And, and, you know, I grew up in that area and my dad was a truck driver and my mom stayed home. I mean, we were, you know, kind of lower middle class economically, but that was common. But it was all right. Oh, it was fine. I, I had a wonderful childhood. I never thought we were poor by any stretch of the imagination. I always had food. I always had clothes. Um, you know, I got a motorcycle now and then. I, I had a really nice childhood. And like I said, my dad was a union truck driver. My mom didn't work. Yeah, I, so I don't, I, don't think, I don't think that us supporting the rest of the world is necessarily good for us I, to get these cheaper products into stores. I agree. I don't, I, I don't I, think we can stop it because now, you know, between my wife and I, we make about one forty-five a year. And I was telling my dad about that. And he said, well, then how come you're struggling all the time? Right. I said, well, dad, yeah. look at what you paid for that you didn't. You know? Yeah. You know, there, there's two sides to this. One, you know, things have become too expensive in some ways. And it is, you know, now one of the biggest problems is the cost of housing. And that has just changed dramatically in the last couple of years. Like I said, these big um, hedge funds in buying houses and turning them into rentals, they have screwed up the housing market and made it too expensive. Now they've screwed up the rental market and made it too expensive. And that's going to be a big, big struggle for people. Um, 
if you can't afford to find a place to live, everything else becomes a real problem. But we can also look at how our society has changed. How old are you, by the way? 50. Oh, you're, you're old enough. How, how well, you know, it, there's exceptions, obviously, but how big was your house growing up? Um, we, my first, my parents' first house was a big farmhouse. Um, but then we moved into about an 1,800 square foot. Yeah, the average in the 60s. Um, and I, I know the yeah. average because I, I was right there. I grew up in a house that was about 1,200 square feet and we had seven kids. But that was the average in the 60s. That's tripled, yeah. tripled. And nobody has kids anymore. Back when I was growing up, seven kids was not uncommon. I had one friend who had 15 kids in his family, another that had 13, and another one that had 11 that I can remember. And four or five was common. And now nobody has kids, but they have 4,000 square foot homes. And in that 4,000 square foot home, they probably have five big screen TVs and two new cars out in the garage. That was unheard of when I was growing up. You were outrageously rich well, if you lived like that. And a boat, and a camper, and a four-wheeler. Exactly. And, and a new cell phone every year. No, it's every two. Come on. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, 37 different online subscription services, 14 movie streaming services. I, come on, look at the kind of money we spend that we did not spend, you know, just one generation ago. Well, the other thing is, we used to go outside. I mean, I, I live in a small town in South Dakota, and it's amazing because my wife and I are outside all the time when I'm home. Yeah. And I hardly ever see somebody outside no they're not i don't know any of my neighbors no yeah it's 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 definitely changed there's no doubt and i i wouldn't mind a shift back to some of those earlier simpler times and we don't need to be the world police it would really be nice if we could start encouraging women women to start taking care of their kids yeah yeah i agree or men I'd be okay with men staying home. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I agree with that, too. But I want to, you know, I don't remember where I read this, but in the, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, we had antidepressants. They, they've been around for a long time. And around 10 to 15% of women were on antidepressants. Now the number is somewhere north of 70 how much better is your life if you've got to be on medication to keep yourself living? <laughs> Good point. And there's something else that has changed. Back when it was, you know, mother's little helper, that's what they would call the, the antidepressant pill. Those were more like, um, those were more like Xanax kind of um, tranquilizer kind of drugs. So you took one, you got an immediate effect. You take a Xanax, you immediately calm down and relax. There's an immediate impact. The, they don't use those anymore um, for depression or anxiety. All they use anymore are SSRIs. 
selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. You take one, you feel nothing, nothing whatsoever. If you're anxious right now and you think you're going to take an SSRI and feel better, it doesn't work that way. You might take a Xanax and feel better right now, but these drugs have to build up in your system and they take quite a bit of time before they start doing anything. And then you have that huge withdrawal problem if you ever decide to quit them. But you're right. Why do we think that we have created some wonderful modern society when all these people need drugs just to get through a day? All like right, Brian. Good, good, good stuff. That that's the way I want this show to be. You know, there will there will be times where I'll do this deep dive and go through a bunch of facts. And you know, part of the problem with me and that on politics is is some of it just gets boring. I mean, statistics you can only talk about them for so long. So maybe this show's better if we just rant. <laughs> So we'll see. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're going to wrap this up. Do we have another call? Um, Oh, oh, shoot. (laughs) Hey, um, Angie, see if you can get Brian back. I I meant to. Hey, Jamie, I, I thought I was hanging up on you, but I actually hung up on my next caller. We're I, I think we're seeing, All right. yeah I think we're seeing if we're getting him back so uh, I'll cut you loose and yep looks like uh, looks like we got it back all right uh, Brian in South Carolina sorry about that I hung up on you oh <laughs> uh, fast fingers I know how you are I <laughs> uh, appreciate your time Kevin what's on your mind you know uh, you know you keep you keep talking about this stuff, you know, the different thing that went on, you don't understand why, wonder what the end game is. Yeah. Have you ever taken the time and done any look at uh, UN Agenda 2030? No, I don't think I've seen that one. Well, we've, I've been associated, and I, uh, you know, I've been a long-time listener of yours since 05, and I've called you several times, but uh, never about this stuff here, but it's just, it, uh we had uh, some patriot groups that we used to do. Uh, people just do digging. We were on a Zello, uh, the the two way app that you got, like a uh, yeah. two way walkie talkie. Yeah, and they would do. We would get in. We had a little organization where we were, and people were digging into it. They got to digging deep into this stuff because it's twenty thousand pages. I mean, so you know, it's a lot of information. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well, this is some of the stuff that they, that they came up with. The, the agenda that the UN wants, you know how that mess usually is. Yeah. But they're wanting to uh, reduce the population to 650 million by 2030. And, you know, and I, I listened to this probably five years ago when these people found it, you know, we were discussing it, and I thought, oh, there's no way. After this COVID, it really makes you wonder. And then the, oh, the, yeah. the stuff that they're, they're doing. So, and, uh, you know, the other thing is that they're going to say that, you know, we're hurting the ecological system. Gee, we've yeah. never heard that before, have we? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and basically what it boiled down to is it looked like uh, you're watching the movie Hunger Games. I haven't. I know it was a big deal. I just don't watch a lot of TV or movies, and that was just one I've never, never even started to watch it. 
Well, it kind of reminded me of that because uh, my wife and girls, they, you know, they liked it. And, and uh, so I got to looking at this. I'm kind of, you know, you can compare this because uh, – they're trying. They're wanting to get everybody into the cities because we're hurting the ecological system. You know, you reduce it to 650 million people. You, uh, you know, so then you're going to be fighting for food. Hey, wait, wait a minute. In which I mean, we, we're, we're seeing all this stuff. We're seeing all this stuff in real life today. You know. Oh, we are, and I could come back to that and agree with you. I just that, that number just stuck with me. You mean 650 million people worldwide? Yes. Hell, we have three hundred. That's people what their goal is. Three hundred million in this country alone. Exactly. So, how do you reduce from eight billion to six hundred fifty million, and don't make it look like? Uh, yeah. Make it look like it's just an accident uh, or well, it's just COVID. Uh, you know, is heard, that possible? You've heard. I don't think so. But there's another issue here. There's so, <laughs> there's, there's so much to talk about when you start thinking about this. I've heard my whole life that there are groups, the UN and these other groups that think, uh, and you know, we've even heard this from Bill Gates and some other people that there are just too many people in the world, except exactly the book that I'm reading. That's got me so wound up about stuff. The end of the world is just the beginning says the exact opposite. The biggest problem we're going to suffer is because we don't have enough people to do the work we need. <laughs> So, which one's right? Interesting. I know. I, I, and, I mean, that's their end. That's their goal. But is I mean, is that feasible to even you know to work? I, I don't know. And if we look <laughs> at it, which one seems more likely right now? Do we spend any time talking about how the United States is overcrowded and there's too many people, or do we spend almost every day saying we can't find enough people to work anymore? Exactly. We can't find enough people to work because they've gotten lazy. They got soft. If they can weaken us, they can control us. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's no doubt. So it's just bizarre that that what you just described. We've heard that for decades. I didn't know about this specific document and these numbers, but we've heard that thought that there's just too many people and we're destroying the planet. And there's just not a whole lot of evidence behind that. The planet's just fine. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, God designed this plan. It takes care of itself. It doesn't need us. Yeah. It'll stamp us out if, it, if we're doing that's, too much damage. <laughs> that's my thought. I just had that same thought. The, the, the earth is smarter and more powerful than we are. It will get rid of us if we become a problem. Well, like the movie Day After Tomorrow. That's basically what it was doing. You know, it was yeah. just stamping out, you know, getting the population down because of too much damage. But, but it also, you know, saying that, you know, uh, one world government, one world monetary system, one religion is all tied in together on all this stuff back to like a new world order would be. Again, uh, and we've heard that forever. We're afraid of it. We hate that, you know, phrase new world order. And when, you know, the I think he was a congressman a couple weeks ago came out or he was he had something to do with the Biden administration. I can't remember who it was. Right. And he said out loud that this is part of the liberal new world order or new world economy or whatever the hell he said. And everybody said, what did he just say? Did he actually admit it? Um, We've heard that our whole life, except let's take another look at the book I'm reading because that book is predicting the exact opposite. 
not a new world order, not a one world government, but back to a world of a whole bunch of individual countries that don't trade. Yep. I'm so confused. That's interesting. I got, and I've been listening. I've been listening to you every day, you know, on this stuff. So I, it had me scratching my head about, okay, this is what they're wanting to do. And what's their, is this, is their end game actually possible? Or is it, is this a distraction? You know, just like a lot of times we make well, these movies. If, to me, this is, this, go ahead. Yeah, I just had a thought. What, what if this is what's going on? What if we, this new world order thing has been going on in the background? That's what COVID was all about. You, you know, I've been talking about the fact that all cause mortality around the world is going up as much as 10%. That's huge. All cause mortality normally does not change 1% a year. It's a pretty solid number that almost never changes. Now, all of a sudden, we're losing 10% more people every year than before. That's just since COVID. So, And that's not counting COVID deaths. If we throw in COVID deaths, that number gets bigger. We're not talking about the people that died from COVID. We're talking about people that died from all causes. Why did that go up? So there is it the vaccine making people's immune systems weak. We keep seeing all these young people dying now after the vaccine. We can't get good numbers on this stuff. What if, what if there has been this push to reducing the population but it's going to backfire. And what, what this guy is predicting, Zihan, is that if we start losing population, that's when we'll stop trading globally and we'll go back to being individual countries. So maybe both things could come true, even though they seem opposite. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... You know, the the powers that be that do all the stuff in the background, they, they're doing things that, uh, it's a shiny thing over here just to get our attention. Doing this crap in the background that we never see unless somebody digs into it and you find, you know, bits and pieces of this stuff. Uh, we, we don't know what they're, you know, all they want is power. You know yeah, that, and it, I know that. It's, just, it, it's all about power. It is, and it seems like even when you get really brave people that go dig and put their reputations on the line, and you can dig all you want, you can prove all you want, and they just deny it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's... Yeah, it's just, it makes you wonder. I mean, you read the stuff, and like I said, we had done this. This has been, and we, well, once Trump became in the office, we just, you know, we quit doing it. We just uh, kind of drifted apart, but we were doing real strong when Obama was in office because, you know, the way things look, we thought, you know, we're going to need to stand up and meet all the information we can. So we've kind of got, we got soft on the information that our group has dissolved, and, you know, we still got some friends into it, but. We're not looking in the background. What, what's it? What is it here behind the scenes that we're not seeing that they're you know working on? And it's just like even like he was talking about with Bill Gates a while ago. Well, I'd read before that Bill Gates is really tied in closely with the Chinese because he even asked uh, the president there about. You know, what's, what's your name? His kid. Uh, you know, yes, yeah. he's one. He didn't laugh about him. Said that that was you know that's your that's your job to do. Well, if you're that if you're that. Uh, stuck up into uh, the Chinese that you want to name your want them to help you name your freaking kid. Something really, wrong. dude? Yeah, something's wrong. Yeah, I, it's it's a uh, it's a scary time. 
It really is. It is. Well, you know, I, I don't know where you stand, and and but I look at it as a Christian man that you know this is just end of times coming. It's just times that's gonna that's gonna do stuff like this. You know, it's uh, it, there's certainly a lot of evidence that you know is pointing in that direction. It's just a lot of stuff that just doesn't make sense. That that's that's the biggest problem I have with so much about what's going on right now. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I want to know it doesn't, you know, and that's, and you can go back to, to go a little little di- different area there. You're looking at the UFOs and then stuff that the you know, government is seeing and all. Uh, and I'll throw you this one piece of information out there that has been said and, uh, you know, that Diana Christ shows up, he may come back as an alien. How else would you would you do? How else would you would you take it? I mean, everybody loves them. You know, the little Area Fifty One. You know, you got Independence Day. All these movies. Oh, they would believe everything the man said if that was true. That's just a just an idea. Come on, it's ET. <laughs> it's ET. How can you not like ET? Right. right. I want to go. I want to go ride bikes with him. Right. Yeah. That's right, uh, you know. Yeah. So you know, it's just some ideas. I just, I just thought I would uh, share with you. There you go. Uh, so it might be, might give you a little different. You know, sometimes it's easy going down the road and it's in my head going oh. round and round in a circle. You know, it's always know. good to get it out to share That's it. Sometimes. Right. That's right. <laughs> right, Brian. Good stuff. Hey, let me share. Let me. Oh. Oh, sorry, Brian. I hit the uh, hit the button right as you were saying, let me share. And I'm going to wrap this up for today. Um, so, Brian, call me back next time. Now you've got an idea for the next call. Uh, we will see you back here tomorrow. I'm going to spend quite a bit of time on um, the new Stress Busters Strength Builders Protocol. I got to come up with a better name, though. That's too much of a mouthful. Uh, but I've got some tweaks to it. I believe we're going to try to record another video tomorrow um, live. I got to work on that this afternoon. Uh, but either way, I will. that will be my open tomorrow. I'll be talking about all the changes I've made to the protocol, why I'm so excited about it. Um, when Lauren joins us, we're going to continue on our theme of macronutrients, and we'll talk. We've already talked about fats and proteins, uh, so we'll talk a little bit tomorrow about carbohydrates carbohydrates and then if i can pull it off we will uh, try to reshoot our live video where i'll walk through the entire uh, protocol with you so we will see you then be safe be profitable be fit and healthy always do the hard work and master the journey